Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. Our next listener wanted to know, he's talking about our guest that we had on, J.D. Gunnell, and he wants to know about dividing ornamental grasses. J.D. had said that you uh, divide them every five years, and this person wants to know, do you do that in the spring or the fall? In the fall is fine. because they have time today, that might be a good one. Yeah, we're considering them fall blooming because they bloom from late uh, summer into fall, and so you would divide them now. But if you do it in the spring, no big deal. Okay. Next listener wants to know, how do ginkgo trees do here in northern Utah? They do fine. There's a number of them up in Heber, Cache Valley, along the Wasatch Front. They're just slow growing is the main challenge with them. And so it may be that your children or grandchildren get to enjoy the shade, Mm -hmm. but they do really well. All right. Stephen is in North Ogden. Good morning, Stephen. What is your question? I have two maple trees that have been in the ground for six years or so, and the roots are growing above the ground now like the the spokes of a wheel. They're maybe two inches in diameter, and half of the diameter is above the ground. Should I put some dirt on top of those? No, those are called buttress roots, and all that would happen is they would just keep growing up through the soil. You could put a little, not compost, but mulch over them, but just... Let them be. It's it's natural. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Tom, wants to know if you can plant sod this time of year. If you must, you can. I Sod, it doesn't seem like it would survive, but I've seen sod do some amazing things. Mm-hmm. You know, like landscape projects that had to be finished in mid-November, and, you know, you're putting down sod, and you'd think this stuff's going to be dead, but sure enough, it roots out and comes up in the spring. I don't recommend it, but if you must, I, you've got a better than a 50-50 chance of it surviving. All right. Evelyn is on the line in Morgan. Good morning, Evelyn. What is your question? Good morning. My question, is, well, let me make a comment first. Um, a year ago, I called about my Christmas cactus, mm-hmm. and I did. Can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Okay, I did what you suggested and put them in my west window in the basement. They have thrived, new growth and lots of blossoms on them right now. And then last spring, I bought a bunch of little succulents, and they were just tiny. And now I've got like seven or eight, nine on those, and they're just growing like crazy. And they, I've had them on the west side of my house. 
what do I do with them now for winter? Okay, so my first question for you would be, what type of succulents are you talking about? Because <laughs> the cold-hardy succulent, succulents will make it through the winter and you don't need to do anything. But the others okay. uh, you'll have to bring in. So what kind do you have? Well, I know my cactus that I have. They do very well outside, and I just leave them out in the winter in a big bowl. It's a good thing, right? Do you want to touch those? Yes, they, they're easy, and they've done well. But these, I think, I don't know what kind they are, but I think I have to bring them in. They look pretty tender to me. Okay, what, what do they look like? Because even some of the sedums look pretty tender. Uh, some of the stone crop looks pretty tender, but those can stay outside. So uh, okay. can you give me a better description of the type? I have one that's just one big, like a flower. Mm-hmm. And it's probably tripled inside. And then I have some that are long with little little sprigs on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I have another one that that looks kind of rubbery and it's reddish, okay. And then another one, and it ha- and it's not flowery, but the other one is kind of reddish too. But it has little flowers all okay. over on it. So here's what I'm going to suggest, and that is uh, try to figure out which kind of succulents you have. Um, things like the hens and chicks, and the stone crop, and um, what was the other one that I mentioned? Um, Hens and chicks, I know what those are, and I don't have that. Okay, so then I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of what you have there will need to come in. So now if you're going to bring them in, you're going to need to use proper soil, you know, the succulent soil or cactus soil in your pots, and you're going to want to make sure and do what Tan always says, and that is make sure that they aren't in a room with lots of your other plants because you could bring in some little bugs as well. Now, I've done what you've talked about. If you're going to cut them off, so if you're not going to take the whole root ball and say you want to save a portion of the plant, you're going to have to make sure that it scabs over before you put it in soil. And there's a whole process for this. Okay. I can probably go online and figure that out. Yeah, you're going to want to figure out exactly what kind of succulents you have because most of the ones that you're describing to me will not overwinter. But then those that will, you want to leave them out there because they'll be great in the spring. Okay. Could I put them in my west basement window where my Christmas cactus has thrived? As long, as long as you have uh, put it in a room by itself or them in a room by themselves for a bit to make sure that they're not going to be putting bugs on your Christmas cactus. Okay. It would just be my succulents and the Christmas cactus in that room. Well, it would be fine, but what she's trying mm-hmm. to say is you could be dragging aphids or spider mites in. And if those get uh-huh. into your Christmas cactus, they are so difficult to get rid of is that the succulents oh. that have been outside need to be quarantined for at least six weeks to oh, make okay. sure that there's no nasty pests on there that would spread to other plants. And so they would do fine where the Christmas cactus are. But uh-huh. the reason you're quarantining them is to make sure that you don't spread anything that will harm the Christmas cactus or other house plants. Okay, I can do that. So, Evelyn, I've, then, I've done what you're you're thinking about doing uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week when I saw that it was going to freeze. Um, a couple of my uh, tender succulents, I actually cut off because I want to see how they're going to do. I cut them at the base, and then I'm going to let those scab over before I put them in soil. But I also took a root ball from that same plant to make sure I wasn't going to lose the plant altogether, and I repotted it in cactus soil or succulent soil to see how that one will do. 
But they're so, the thing that I've really found with succulents, I love them so much, but each variety is so individual that you really Mm -hmm. have to know what exactly you have and how to re, how to replant it. Okay. That's great. I have loved these all summer because they've just done so well. I don't want them to die. I don't blame you. You If you hit your local library, you would probably be able Mm -hmm. to find a book on houseplants that would have a lot of these succulents in it. Or you could probably order a book from Amazon on succulents. I've done that too. There are a lot of great books. Yeah, identify them. And even if you just do an internet search of common succulents and look at pictures, you could identify them that way too. Okay, that sounds great. So meanwhile, I'll bring them in. So they don't freeze. Okay. Yeah. Bring them into the garage and make sure they're quarantined. Uh Okay. Yes, I will. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for your help. Thank you. Uh, Next listener wants to know if they lay down seed over the winter, can they fertilize at the same time? Yes, that's fine. Uh, Next person wants to know, can you divide peonies? Uh, Do you cut peonies to the ground? Uh, How do you? Okay. Start there. You can divide peonies. They are spring blooming. So you divide them in the fall. And you would just wait for them to die back. And then when you dig the crowns, they're going to have the little knobs on there that will be buds. And these knobs will, you need to get three or four of them per piece of crown. And Mm -hmm. you leave as much of the root intact as you can. And what you're going to need to also take note of is how deep they are in the soil. Because you don't want to plant them any shallower or deeper than they are. Because even though they will grow, they may not flower. Okay. The second part of their question was much more complicated, which is why I stopped there. And it is about trimming clematis. Do you do it in the spring or the fall? And the answer is there are different kinds, right? Yes. There's spring, summer, and fall blooming clematis. And so what I would do is look up clematis fact sheets. There's one, I think, from North Carolina State that's really good. But depending on when it blooms is how you will prune it. And so that's what I would do is just download a an extension fact sheet on clematis care, and it'll give you all the information you need. All right. Doug is our next listener. He's in Malta, Idaho. Good morning, Doug. What is your question? Hi. Good morning. I have a, an orchard with about 30 trees in it. And the tree, three of them, of the trees, the trunk comes up beautifully, and then you have major branches coming out from there. And on three of those trees, the one branch and all of its little leaves and everything is completely dead, while the rest of the tree is healthy and nice looking. What's going on? Couldn't tell you. I mean, unfortunately... Without pictures and things that are more description, um, it's really hard to say. So are they apples or what kind of trees are they? Yeah, they're apples. Okay. Apple trees. And did you notice the branches dying from like the branch tips back in? No, I just walked out one day and there's the dead limbs, big limbs, dead as a doornail, while the rest of the tree appears to be thriving. Do I cut them off? What should if I do? If the branches are truly dead, yes, I would cut them off just because they're not doing the tree any good. And when you Plus see they're... limbs go down like that, you could have maybe some root disease that has very quickly um, killed or harmed part of the root system. The tree was able to seal it off, and so it didn't go any farther. That could be a cause also. Interesting. Well, uh It'll look lopsided once I cut it off. 
but I guess the tree will still be okay. Well, hopefully. I mean, sometimes these things, you'll get a dead limb, and the next year you'll get another one. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's not fire blight, which you can look up. USU has several good fact sheets on fire blight, or at least a couple out there. But you would have noticed those branches dying a little more slowly. Now, there are certain apple trees that are very susceptible to it, but the other possibility would be fire blight disease, which all you can do at this point is prune out anyway. And no uh, fertilizer or poison to kill it off? No. Without knowing more details, I can't really recommend anything. All righty. Well, thanks so much. You guys are great. All right, Doug. Thanks so much for your call this morning. We're going to take a break, come back with our final segment of the show. When we come back, Cindy, you are up next. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning taking your calls and questions. Uh, Next listener, Ton, says, what is the best way to get rid of grubs? Their whole neighborhood has them. They probably, if there was late fall, you know, damage, late summer in the fall, mm-hmm. probably called subterranean sod webworm or cranberry girdler, hmm. which is one that we haven't seen a lot of south of Logan and Brigham City. And I think they've spread. Hmm. And so over the last several weeks, we extension offices have been in, getting calls all over the Wasatch Front from people saying, I put grub control down and yet my lawn, I can rip it up and there's no roots on it. And that would be subterranean sod webworm or one of the other sod webworms. Okay. So we're recommending people do a second treatment in late July to prevent them because they've been so prevalent this fall. And I think that's what they're seeing, but a grub treatment in mid-May and another one probably in mid to late July. I was writing it down. I wrote sob. Web, web yes, worms. and they do make and you they sob. They do make you sob, don't they? I've got pictures of the damage they do. There's a park down in Lakeshore, which is a little community in southern Utah County. And this park's probably five, ten acres worth of grass. And there's just entire patches that have turned brown oh. that I walked out. And you could just rip the grass up really easily. And it's, I think it's subterranean sod webworm. Unfortunately, these same grub treatments will work for billbugs and white grubs, which are two other major lawn pests. And so, okay. good to know. Nothing they can do right now, though. No. Cindy is in Plain City. Good morning, Cindy. What is your question? Yes, I planted a row of burning bush, probably five or six, 
about five, six years ago. Um, I have a zero scape front yard. So <clears throat> most of the stuff I planted out there is um, uh, heat tolerant. The first three years, these bushes did really good. They like tripled in size. But the last little bit, they don't, the leaves don't stay on long enough for them to turn red. And by this time, they should be red, but the leaves are all just starting to fall off, and I get very few red ones. Am I not giving it enough water? They're on the east side of the house. Well, they seem like that they're grumpy, persnickety, little naughty princesses that need a spanking. (laughs) So um, this is just burning bush, and they may need more water. How often have you been irrigating them? Probably once a week, maybe twice a week when it gets really hot. How and how much does how far down does water penetrate into the soil? Quite a bit, probably six inches about, to a foot at least, probably around a foot. Oh no, 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 nope, not that okay. far. Okay, they need to be deep watered weekly so that water penetrates between six inches to a foot into the soil. Okay, and if you were to put some mulch around the tops of them, you could probably get away with that every 10 days to two weeks, but they need to be watered very deeply. And the other thing I would do is hit a local garden center. And I think you've got Jerry's up your way and a few others Mm -hmm. that you would just get some triple 10 or triple 16 fertilizer, triple 15 and fertilize them in mid March and mid May Okay, with a fertilizer spreader. And if you keep the nutrition up and deep water them every week or two so that the water goes more deeply, I think you'll have better luck. Now, if they're planted on an east exposure, they may not color up as well as you would want if they were, say, on a west. Okay. Well, still, that's probably going to help me out. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for your call this morning. Only a couple minutes left in the show. Um, Next person wants to know, they have two maple trees and a dogwood tree in their backyard that don't look like they're doing well. And they want to know, do they need to be watered in the wintertime? If they're brand new, yes, but they may have planted two maple trees in a, especially the dogwood. They just don't do well in Utah. Mm-hmm. And so it may be that they continuously struggle because of the species they are and our types of soil to where they probably should have gone with different trees. Okay, but they were already in the yard for them, but, but okay. they may need water in the winter? Uh, if they're established, there's probably been enough rain that they don't need to worry about it. But through the summer into September, they need to be deep watered at least a couple of times a month so water penetrates a foot to 18 inches into the soil. All right, not enough time for a caller, but I'm going to ask the question of the caller. They have green tomatoes and the vine is frozen with some damage. Can they ripen those? If the tomatoes didn't freeze, sometimes the leaves will die, but the fruit won't. If the fruit was frozen, no. Uh, this person planted potatoes where they had grown hydrangeas before. They said they found out that hydrangeas are poisonous. Are their potatoes now poisonous? No, they're not. The poison wouldn't, even if they were, the poison wouldn't stay in the soil. They are fine. All right. Uh, I think we better just stop with that. I'm sorry, leaving so many questions out there. People woke up a little bit later in the morning and... <sighs> yes. Out there. The next couple of weeks, we may be a little bit hit and miss on the show, depending on BYU football schedule. So if we're not on the air, we haven't gone anywhere and we'll be back. That's right. And you can find out a lot more about the show, the topics we've talked about today on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. So check it out and enjoy your day. Uh, it's plenty of time to go out today, put on a jacket, bundle up and uh 
pull out any annuals, cut back those perennials. Get your work done because we're supposed to have rain and snow next week. Have a great weekend. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.